one of them is if you just study the feast. When he came the first time, he fulfilled those first feasts. When he comes back that second time, he's fulfilling the next set of them. But he would have came under the Feast of Tabernacle, uh, which is during this time. And you'd understand that based on John chapter 1, that the word came and tabernacled or dwelt among us. And so have a good time celebrating the birth of Jesus tomorrow. Now, with that being said, we are in a study called Habits, uh, Developing Habits That Will Change Your Life. And one of the things that we're trying to do is just get some basic understanding of some habits that we need to have in our daily life that will make us to be the Christian that we're intended to be. Because there's so much, especially in the movement of the independent fundamental Baptist, is we're so driven to get you to say that prayer so that you can be saved. And hallelujah, we're, we're all for that. And we're all 100% in on the doctrine of eternal security. However, the danger that comes with eternal security is you have people walk aisles, they kneel in altars, and they say these words, and they go, hey, I got saved. And then they just go out and live whatever life they wanted before that so that when they die, they can go to heaven. Well, the only problem is, Biblical Christianity is way more radical than that. It, you literally are cashing in your life for the life of Christ to be in you. And what you have decided is you no longer on the throne of your life, but he is now the Lord of your life, and he decides what you're going to do. And therefore, we want habits in our life that help us live out the daily Christian life so that we in some way, form, or fashion, can bring a pleasure to him in our daily life. Now, with that being said, we're going to look back at the acrostic that we've been studying. We started out with hanging out with God, and hopefully you've been doing that. You're getting up every day in your life, and you're clearing off a space of studying the Word or reading the Word of God, and, and just having a time of quietness with just you and the Lord. And with that, coupled with prayer, that you are spending some time hearing from the Lord through his word, and that the Lord is hearing from you through your prayers. And then we got into accountability, and the Sunday I preached on accountability was much like this Sunday. A lot of folks are missing. And what goes down is in accountabilities, we find out that we are not only accountable to God. We know that. Romans chapter 14 says that we're all going to give an account of our life to him at the Bema seat. However, we're also accountable to the local church, and we're also accountable to the individuals in our life that God has placed in there to help us live out the Christian life. Then last week, we got into Bible memorization, and what we, what we emphasized, it wasn't about just learning verses that you could regurgitate. It was about that daily time in the Word, and then taking what we've read and thinking and meditating upon that all throughout the day so that our life is changed and different. Now today we come into a place called I, which is the involvement in the local church. Now notice, I didn't say membership in the local church. I didn't say attending the local church. The emphasis, our emphasis is involvement. Not just showing up here and taking up a pew. Not just showing up here and making your presence known. Not just blessing us with your smiling face. But actually coming here, 
being trained up in the Word of God to go live out and work the ministry of the Word of God in other people's lives. And the problem that we have in America is we have a lot of people attending churches, but very few people actually living out what they're learning in those churches. And they, they literally come here for their conscience sake. Oh, that'll clear me out. I don't have to worry about that. All right? Now, we're talking about local church now. And, and, I, and I feel like before I get into 1 Corinthians chapter 15 here and verse 58, I need to kind of set the stage. Because we have a big movement in America and throughout the world for that matter, which is, well... I'm not involved in the local church, but I am involved in a part of the universal church. Or here's the one I really like to say, the invisible church. Oh, the invisible church. I bet you give invisible tithes to that church too. (laughs) Invisible church? What is that? And I get it. I understand that the body of Christ is made up of all the believers on the planet. However, Do you understand out of the 114 times that the word ecclesia, which is where we get our word church, the called out assembly, out of the 114 times it's used, it is used in reference to the local church, one like this. When Paul wrote, he didn't write to the invisible church. He didn't write to the universal church. He wrote to individual churches that were in a specific geographical location. And you, as a New Testament Christian, it is non-negotiable for you to be a part of a local church. God has never, ever intended for you to get saved, trust Christ by faith, and then just float around and do what you want. That's not how God works it. Now, we know that the church is not the authority. The Bible is the authority of the Christian life. However... God uses the church as the vehicle in which that authority gets into your life. Which means, how can you ever live out the life that God intended for you to live apart from the local church? Because what God has so designed is for you and I to be needy people. And we need each other. And do you know what the two most important words in the Bible are? You can say it. Well, you guys are getting quiet. I don't know what's going on here in the last couple of weeks, but you can talk. Uh, you're not going to rattle me none. We didn't move up north just because you've got a northern pastor now. That's tongue-in-cheek because I came from the north too. So, I, Yeah, Midwest, I'm the farmland. All right, now, the as and like are the two most important words in all the Bible, right? But when it comes to the church... He doesn't say we are like a body. We are a body. Okay? And if you cut your finger off, it dies apart from the body. And God has so designed each one of the members of the body to be connected to the body. And no body by, no member by itself can fulfill the duty that God has placed on the church. So when you give me, I'm the part of the universal church. Really? Where do you go to encourage people? Where do you go to find encouragement? Where do you go to corporately worship? Where do you go to study the word of God? Where do you go to train other people? 
Like all that stuff that you say, well, I can just worship God at home. Okay, well, that's, that's fine, and I hope you do, and I hope you're doing that every day of your life. But what you're implying is that the only duty of a Christian is just to worship. And that's not true. And if it were true, you know where you'd be better off? Dead. Because if you were dead, you'd just go to heaven, and man, you can really worship there. But he left you here to be a part of an organism called the body of Christ, and that body is comprised of local assemblies, where within that local assembly, God wants to use your talent and your abilities to work the ministry to reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So don't give me this, well, I'm a part of the the local, or I'm part of the universal invisible church. That doesn't fly, guys. Now watch this. Now, I want I want to set the stage on why we're talking about local church and prove it biblically, all right? Now, we're talking about involvement in a local church, but look at Acts 20, 28. He says, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseer and to feed the church of God. Now, he's speaking to men like Justin and Jerry and myself as pastors, and he says, listen, you need to take heed. Because I've given you a flock. Now, understand that the individual is referred to as a sheep. But here he doesn't refer to them as sheep. He refers to them as a flock, which means corporately they're together. So what God intends is for all the sheep to be in local flocks. And what he's done is he's placed pastors and overseers. That's why he uses that word there. And those overseers are to oversee the flock. Now, do you think that God has so chosen for Justin to oversee the universal church? No. That doesn't make any logical sense. What he said is, I've given you a flock here, Justin, and your job is to, number one, oversee it, watch over it. Number two, to feed it. In other words, what we do in this pulpit, feeding the flock of God. And he says, he goes on, he says, for I know this, that after my departing, look at this, grieving and grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Now, one of the things, if you've been a part of this church for a while, you'll understand we we do not believe in the singularity of pastors. I think it's, I think it's wrong. I don't think it's biblical at all. And matter of fact, you see in most of your independent Baptist churches, when you have one singular pastor, you end up with dictatorships and all kinds of problems. But here is the major problem. We believe in plurality of pastors, and here's why. Because look at the jobs he's given you. Hey, I want you to oversee them. In other words, you're going to need to spend some time every day with each sheep. And then, not only that as a as a, as a shepherd, you're going to need to make sure they're being fed. And not only that as a shepherd, but you need to be watching for the wolves. So how can one man oversee, feed, and watch all at the same time? That's not the intent, okay? And so what we have is we realize that the grievous wolves, where are they? According to the scripture, they enter in among you. So in my time of pastoring, multiple times, I can name a three right off the top of my head, is when I realized an individual had come to be a part of this place and realized real quick, he doesn't belong, or she doesn't belong, or 
however you want to fill it in. And the reason we know that is because our job is to protect this place. One of the reasons you have an interview to become a member here is because we hold the membership of this local church as absolutely something special. And that if you're going to be a part of it, then my job and these men's job is to make sure that we're watching out and making sure that you qualify to become a member of this church. And one of those qualifications is, number one, knowing Jesus Christ is your personal Savior and that your salvation experience is a biblical experience. Then we need to know about your baptism. And if that baptism doesn't meet two, two qualifications, then once again, well, we got to get these corrected before you can become a member of the local church. Now, you say, well, what are those? Number one, you have to have been baptized after salvation. Otherwise, all you did was just get wet and somebody else got wet. All right? The other thing we do is we require you to be fully immersed in baptism. And, and this is not the study, but we can explain why that is. And so we just do that. And you say, Corey, you're the only church I know. No, I'm not. Or we're not. I've, I've, I've looked into this, and a lot of churches do this nowadays. And the purpose was, is verse 29, just watching out, making sure everything's straight up. But let me ask you something. Are we supposed to look out after the whole universal church? Man, that's... That's way too much of a job for an individual. That's not what he's talking about. Here's another one, Hebrews 13, 17. I read this to you a few weeks ago. Obey them that have rule over you. So does that mean you're to obey every pastor? No, he's talking local church. He said, and submit yourselves. You know that dirty cuss word that most people don't like, submitting. We don't like it, do we? I'm a man, I don't submit to anybody. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Now, are we to submit to every pastor, to every local church? And if you believe in this universal church that you're a member of, who are you submitting to? Where is this universal church that you are having ruled over by? And then he goes on, he says, for they watch for your souls. Are you telling me Justin's accountable for every soul in the body of Christ? This is talking about local assembly. Matthew 18 says, if you got a problem with a brother, go to him. If you won't listen, take a few more brothers, go listen to him. If you won't listen to them, take him to the church. You mean the invisible one? No, the local church, the local assembly. Now, let's get into the, now that we've established that God is speaking directly to the local church, and that we are challenging you to be involved into that local church. Let's dive into the, to the work here. Now notice here, we're only going to deal with verse 58, and then we're going to dissect this verse as we go. But notice here, he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Just one verse, right? Okay, so let's see if we can break this thing down. Number one, I'm going to start with attendance issues of the local church. Now, some of you are probably moving around in your seat a little bit. Because if there's a guy in here that's going to attack that, it'd be me, right? We were talking about the guys that are, you know, you're, you're, you're commanded to oversee them. You're commanded to feed them. 
and then you commanded to watch out for these grievous wolves, and we said we have plurality of pastors, right? So to kind of give you a little history of where Justin grew up, his dad was the main senior pastor, and his right-hand man was a guy named Frank Pardue. And Frank, if, 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 to me, was just an amazing speaker. And, but he was really, really up in your grill all the time. And so the joke was, and the way they described the church, and when, when the church was the most successful was when those two were working together. And here's how it was described as Mark was the guy on the stagecoach with the reins of the horses driving the stagecoach, and Frank was sitting there with the shotgun. So if we move that into our current situation, who do you think's got the shotgun? So, I'm actually not getting on to you about church attendance. I'm actually going to do a 180 on it. The issue with church attendance we're talking about is because people file in here on Sunday and attend services and think, I've done the work of the Lord. Oh, I'm good. What, what's your problem, Corey? I show up. What, what do you mean get involved? I'm involved. I, I come every Sunday and sit down on a pew and listen to Justin and I listen to the band and man, it's awesome. That is not what we're talking about. We're not talking about attending church. Do you think Jesus was butchered on a cross to get rid of your sins so you can sit on a pew? Or do you think maybe God has a plan for your life that is way more radical, way more dynamic, way more just extreme for you to be involved in changing and helping change lives in your community? Man, I am glad you attend. And if you don't attend, I will get on to you. Because what we do know is attendance isn't the end-all, be-all, but it's where it starts. If you don't attend, how are we going to train you? So obviously we want you to attend, but if you think you've accomplished all you're going to accomplish because you got up this Sunday morning and you came in and you sat down and you said, whew, I'm here, look at me. That is not the intent of the New Testament local church. Now watch, we're going somewhere. Now look at, the, look at the words that God uses here. He says, the work of the Lord. What's the first word? Right, work, right? Implying doing something. Implying activated. Sitting on our blessed assurance isn't work. That's called retirement. Now watch. Jerry laughed about it, all right? Now Check this out now. We're talking about the work of the Lord. Now, if you have a Bible, you, many of you guys have seen me do this before, but if you go to John chapter 4, okay, and you grab John chapter 4, and you find out over here, here in verses 33 and 34, he says, listen, I came to do the work that the Father sent me, okay? If you get to John chapter 17, he's doing his high priestly prayer, and he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying to the Father, and he says, I have finished the work that you sent me to do. So if you take your Bible and you turn to John chapter 4 and John 17, 
and you hold those two things right like this, do you know what you're looking at? The work of the Lord. Because the work of the Lord, look, listen, this is really deep, so you're going to have to pay attention. The work of the Lord is the work that the Lord did. Let that sink in. So if I go to John chapter 4 and I read to John 17, what was the work that Jesus was doing? It was he pouring himself into 12 specific men. And what he was doing is day and night preaching truth, encouraging people, building people up, telling them where they stood, and allowing people to be loved on and, and understanding, developing them into a place where they came into a relationship with the Father through him. And God says, now that my son has left this planet, I've left the church, and not the invisible one, but the local church, I need them to do this. I need them to do the work that the Lord was doing. Well, what was he doing? Pouring his life into people, encouraging, edifying, building up, preaching truth. And so if you are going to be a part of the local church, what we're going to expect for you to do is actually the work of the Lord. Now, when you read on, do you know what the 80-20 rule is? That 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Now, here's, here's the flip side of this. 80% of the people think they're part of the 20 you realize that? Oh, I know. I'm just down there working it out, man. I'm just trying to, whoo, get it done for the Lord. Guys, what, just don't raise your hand. What, what is your involvement here? What is it you actually do? You, you don't have to answer out loud. I just want you to ask yourself, the work of the Lord, are you part of that? 20 percenters that are doing 80 percent of that work or are you just somebody going hey nah i'm good i'll just sit here just say Corey, i don't know what to do okay well we've got plenty of opportunity for you but as each and every day moves on and the culture changes jobs change so we got luke who's doing an amazing job on social media putting out stuff and just getting our brand out there and trying to help people uh, through getting the word of God out on social media. Can you imagine 25 years ago going, hey, we need a social media guy? Nobody would even know what that is. But as culture has changed, opportunities and doors have opened to be serving in. Now, you say, well, that wasn't what Jesus was doing from John 4 to 17. Yes, it was. It was just in a different way of doing the same thing, which is let's get this book to people. And as right now, social media and all the trash that it can be, it at least gives us an avenue to getting the word out. And so we're seeing stuff like that. But man, we've got kids out here that we're constantly trying to pump the word of God in. Why do we put so much emphasis on it? You ever look at the statistics at the amount of kids when they turn 18 don't stay a part of the local church? Which means we, we better be doing our job right now while we have an opportunity to pump the word of God in them. 
with the hopes that that book and that spirit of God inside of them keeps them in a local church. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean this local church, but serving in a local church. Now, notice Hebrews 10.25 says, Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. So notice here, we always go to that first part and we say, you got to be a church. And we tell people, well, this is why. But we never add the why. He says, I need you to come in here so you can exhort each other. Build each other up. Let me, let me give you an example. He called it the flock of God, right? Which is a sheep. You know what a sheep dip is? So sheep, I'm, I'm learning this from people in Scotland, and, and what they would have, they developed this in Scotland, they had this troughed out area full of water, and they'd put these you know, chemicals and stuff in there, and they, this was developed in the 1800s, and what you do is because the wool on sheep, parasites get in it, fleas and ticks and all kinds of stuff, and it's bad for the sheep. So what they would do is run them down in this water that would wash them off, and they would come out the other side. It's called a sheep dip. Okay. Well, Jesus refers to you as the sheep or part of the flock, and we are to oversee or shepherd that. And so what happens is every week that you come in here and you sit down, we do want to encourage you and build you and provoke you but what we do for a sheep dip is take the Bible, which is called the water of the word, and Jesus says that what he was going to do is take that book and wash us so that we do not have spot or wrinkle. So you're going to go out this week and you're going you're gonna to get a little dirty. You're going to be out in the world, you're going to be doing some things, we're not talking about sin here, we're just talking about living in a dirty environment spiritually speaking. And so what we want you to do is come in here and we're going to sheep dip you. We're going to take this water of the word and try to wash you and cleanse you to send you back out into the world to reach the world. Sheep that are not in the world are worthless. Why are they dirty? Well, they're out in the pasture. Well, that's where sheep belong. You belong out there in the world reaching people with the gospel. And so every week we're going to sheep dip you if you'll come in here. But if you don't come in, how do we clean you up? How do we get this book into you? Now, number two, not only the attendance issue, meaning just because you show up doesn't mean anything, but let's look at the attitude towards the local church. And if you went around talking to people about you know, what they think of the local church, it's always amazing to me the attitudes that you get from it. Now, I'm going to start with what I call the sanctified Christian. In other words, and I'm not saying that in a, in a derogative way. I'm saying somebody who has, is walking with the Lord. Now, this is the attitude, and here's what I want you to do. We're going to go through about five of these, and I, wanna, I want you to self-examine and find out, is this me? Is this what type of Christian I am when it comes to the local church assembly? Number one, this guy, the sanctified Christian. This is the attitude of the person that is fully concentrated to the Lord and his work. This person is attending not for what they can get out of it, but what they can put into it. They are here not to full, they are here to fully worship the Savior, learn and adjust their lives from the scriptures. They also are here to encourage other saints throughout the fellowship. 
Do you realize the vast majority of, of Christians today choose a church of, well, what have you got to offer me? I, I, I don't see that as a biblical concept. Better yet, what do you have to offer our church? I mean, if we want to be honest and biblical about this, what are you bringing to the table? Because that's the key. I showed up today not just to preach, because here in just a few weeks, I won't be doing this. Does that mean go, well, I'm, I guess Justin called me when he wants me to preach again. Meanwhile, I'll be at the house. No, I'll be here listening to what he's got to say, trying to get that into my life, self-examine. But at the same time, I want to walk around the building. Hey, man, how you doing? Good to see you. You know, that kind of thing. You know, even if I have to fake it. I'm just kidding. All right, number two is the sense of duty Christian. So we have, we have the sanctified Christian, but let's look at the sense of duty Christian. This is the attitude that describes the person who attends regularly because they feel it is their duty and it is the right thing to do. They are not interested in any major advancements with, the walk, with their walk with Christ. They are interested in short services so they can get on with the rest of their life. I'm asking you which one you are. Sense of duty. Hey, I'm here because it's the right thing to do. Social Christian. This is number three. The social Christian. This is the attitude that describes a person that attends because of social aspect of church. They are here because of family, friends, or relationships of some kind. And if those relationships would leave, so would they. Now stop and think. If your favorite people in here left, would you? Are you here because your family goes here? Are you here because your friends go here? Are you here because the God who purchased you with his own blood decided to say, hey, you are to serve me in this local church, and you are not allowed to leave until I tell you to leave. It's always interesting to me when people say, I believe it's time for us to go. Says who? When do you get to make that call? If I, if I recall this, you were purchased, and you traded in your life. It's the same people that decide, eh, I don't believe I'll go to church this Sunday. Says who? When did you get to make that call? Who decides that? When did you get back on the throne of your life to become a shot caller to your daily life? Because when you got saved, you agreed to give over that to him. That was, the, that was the deal. God, I'll give you my worthless life that I have messed up. You give me your righteousness and holiness, and then you call the shots from here. You're going to be my Lord and Savior. Not just my Savior. You're going to be my Lord. The social curse. I... I they treat it like it's a spiritual spa day. You know, the people go to the spa and feel so good about themselves when they leave. This is how many people treat church. I'm going to go down there and get my spiritual vitamin. I'm like, really? You might not want to come here then. Because we're going <laughs> to, we'll probably feed you castor oil. All right, now. But this is why you see selfie walls that are made. Do you ever notice these in restaurants? Churches are doing them now. 
Let's all go back here in the corner, got our Kelly Harbin logo, boom, put it out on social media. That's all cool if you want to do that. I'm, I'm fine with that. But I think a lot of people do that just to prove the fact I go to church. People will know you go to church by the way you live. Now watch. They're more interested in concert-style music. And guys, I'm down with great music. I, I love it. But let me remind you that the music in this place isn't actually for you. It's not. As Jeff has said, for many years, we sing to an audience of one individual. And the purpose of our music is to bring us to a place of just adoration and praise and worship to Him. And if you don't like the music, I don't care. The intent is for Him. And if the music that we're singing brings Him honor and glory, then what's the issue? It's not my style. Hmm. I didn't know we got a shot call in that either. Now, the safety net Christian. These Christians rationalize that once they have been saved and learned the basic lessons of the Bible, it's no longer necessary to attend church regularly. They stop in from time to time for a Christian service tune-up. You'll see them two, three, four times a year. By the way, once again, this is not involvement in the local church. How about the slighted Christian? And these are the worst ones. This is the attitude describing those that have been so-called mistreated. Would somebody call the police? I have to say it that way because I'm in the South. With the sirens? Somebody call the cops. I was offended. It I'd rather you be mad than offended. I'm serious. I can deal with a church member who's mad, but a church member who's offended, oh, good night, because there's no helping them. I was offended, and my response to them, every time somebody tells me you're offended and you come and tell me about it, Psalms 119, 165, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. So when you're, I'm offended. Oh, you just told me you don't love the book. Because if you did, you wouldn't get offended. For in the future, just get mad, would you please? We can handle that. But notice here, this is the person who's been mistreated, therefore doesn't attend church. They claim to be able to worship God alone without the distraction of the so-called hypocrites that attend. Well, you can't do that because you're now a hypocrite. So you're in trouble even at your home worship. Guys, the idea here, and the reason I'm kind of getting up your grill about it, is guys, there is one way of doing this. And it is total devotion to the local church because what God's going to do is use that vehicle to get that book into your life so that you can take that out there. Watch this as we go on. The simulated Christian. This is the guy that's in the real danger. This is the attitude describes those that are doing their best to live out the Christian life without actually possessing the spirit of life. They do, do all they can to mask their emptiness, but they know deep down that they're missing it. This is the guy who tends church and doesn't actually know Jesus Christ. And he's doing his best to fake his way through it. 
Guys, understand you've got to decide where you're at in this. Are you a sanctified Christian? Somebody is, I'm here and I am here to go all in. I'm selling out and I am serving the Lord no matter what goes down. The altitude of the local church. Now, let's look at the actual verse. Now, we're talking about the altitude. Now, now folks, you, you'll understand. I had to use an A word to keep my alliteration going. Now, watch. All right? He starts with, here is what I'm calling the suckling newborn Christian. And so we're going to be talking about altitudes, the uh, uh, levels in which you step up. Notice here, he says, therefore, my beloved brethren. This would include any person who's ever trusted Christ as their Savior and came to faith in Christ and been born again. That covers all of them, right? And when we all start out, we all start out as newborn babes desiring the sincere milk of the Word. And there's nothing wrong with that. Ellery, I have to think of what that kid's name is. Uh, Ellery is obviously... A, 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 a nursing baby, which is fine. But if she's six years old still doing that, we have a problem. We have new Christians in this building, and they're just getting the milk of the word, and that's great. The problem we're having is we've got people who've been in church a long time and still just getting on the milk. At some point, you put the milk away, and you start chewing on the meat. He also says it over here in 1 Corinthians. He says, listen, even unto babes in Christ, I have fed you with milk and not meat. You get to Hebrews 5, 11, and 13. Watch what he does here. Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered. Do you understand there's a lot of tough things that will be said from these pulpits in this church? He said, the problem is seeing you are dull of hearing. One of the advantages to being the guy standing here looking this way, you know who's listening and who's not. It doesn't, take, it doesn't take much to realize you're dull of hearing or you're not. And he goes on, he says, for when the time ye ought to be teachers. In other words, he's saying, listen, by this time, you shouldn't be sitting here dull of hearing. You shouldn't be sitting here with hard things that are messing you up. You should be the guy teaching others. You've been in this long enough. And he goes on, he says, or become such as need of milk and not strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. And once again, there's nothing wrong with being a babe in Christ, but at some point, you got to move forward and grow. So that leads us to the stable Christian. So we had the suckling newborn, now we have the stable Christian. Look at the word he uses. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. That's the next step. This word steadfast, it, 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 the, the, the King James translators, it's the same word as being uh, settled, not bouncing around. Getting settled. One of the problems we have in Christians today is they can't get settled. I'm going to be a member over here for a while, and then I'm going to be a member over here for a while. Nope, they didn't sing what I wanted to, so I'm over here now. Oh, I found the latest guru, best pastor I've ever heard. I'm over here with him now. Oh, well, he stinks. Now I'm going over here to listen to this guy. And next thing you know, you're not even involved in church. You're just bouncing around. You've got to get steadfast, settled. Here's the same word used. If ye continue in the faith, 
Notice that. Grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. The, the idea is getting settled. Acts 2.42 says, and they continued, here's the same word, steadfastly. And he gives you the four things that will get you steadfastly or get you settled. Number one, doctrine. Why do you think we just pump it out of the pulpit around here? You ever just get bored with it? Oh my God, here they go again preaching. Then we're going to bring you back Wednesday night and go, all right, let's, let's, let's hit you with some more. And then, then we're going to get really crazy and have some of you come back Thursday night and let the studs hit you. And then we're going to bring you back on Saturday mornings, men, and we're going to get you hit again. At what point do you get sick of hearing about doctrine? He says, that's what's going to make you steadfast. And then fellowship. So those of you that go, I'll just get it off YouTube. I can get doctrine off YouTube. Really? You fellowship on YouTube too? How do you do that? God has so designed you and I to work together and see each other and shake hands and talk to each other and encourage each other and provoke each other to serving the Lord. Then he says in the breaking of bread. You know what that means? It's real deep. Sitting down having a meal together. That's real deep. And then here's a radical thought. Praying together. You're not going to get this in the universal, invisible church. He says, you're, Peter says, listen, the devil is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And you know what he says? Here's how you're going to back him off. Whom resist, look at the word, steadfast in the faith. Get settled. The reason why Satan destroys many of you is because you simply can't get settled in the doctrine and in the fellowship and the breaking and the bread and hanging out with the brethren, praying together. And then we got number three, the strengthened Christian. So we have the, the suckling babe. We have the, the uh, what was that? Stable, thank you. Man, I, in my new ones, I stack them so that my memory doesn't fail me. Now, the strengthened Christian, notice the word he uses here. Steadfast, but now he moves to a word unmovable. Settled means, yeah, you're stable. But now all of a sudden we, we're talking about anchoring. And this is the Christian who can really do something. Because he's got his feet planted. He's got his, his foundation right. And man, now he can do something for the Lord. And that's why God says, be unmovable. Now notice this, Ephesians 3, 14 and 17. For this cause I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be, look at this, strengthened, anchored, where? In the inner man. We're not talking about how tough you are. We're talking about inside of you being absolutely strengthened on the inner man. Now, how are we as pastors ever going to help you get strengthened on the inner man if you don't come? If you decide to just, ah, come when I can, come when I don't. Try that on a workout regiment and see how well you do. People who work out sporadically, Never see results. You want to see results? 
You have to do it day in and day out and day in and day out and day in and day out. You say, when does it end? It doesn't. It's the same thing with the inner man. And he says, listen, how are you going to do this? That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. Now notice this, 1 Corinthians 4, 1, 2, let a man so account us as, look at the word, I'm going somewhere and you, some of you have seen me do this, but watch. He says, listen, count us as ministers of Christ, hold this thought, and stewards of the mysteries of God. Do you know there are seven mysteries of the New Testament? And God says each and every one of us are stewards over it. You know what that means? Everybody in this building that's saved is going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of how you handled those seven mysteries. Do you even know what they are? Man, isn't that a little scary that you're going to answer for something and you don't even know what you're answering for? Now watch this. Paul says, listen, we're ministers of Christ. And the word that Paul uses here is under rower. Watch. You know what an under rower was? So back in the day when the wind wasn't blowing, you had all these oars that would stick out. And the people that were down on the inside of the boat were the under oarsmen. That's what their name was. And Paul says, yeah, that's what a minister is. He gets down into the bottom of that boat and he grabs that oar and he works in unison and works as a team with all those other dudes. And you know who gets to see him? Nobody. There's no glamour. There's no lights. There's no, hey, check out what he's doing. It's just a guy down there in the bottom of the boat making it move forward. What we have in our local church is a lot of under oarsmen. Not a lot of fame. But boy, they make this ship go. And they make this place move, and they make this place move forward for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you say, yeah, but nobody's recognizing me. There's one guy doing it. There's one guy that's recognizing it. And one day when you stand eyeball to eyeball with him, all your under rowing, all that stuff that nobody paid attention to will be on display that day. And so, yeah, I get it. You're not up at the helm. You're not directing the ship. You're just down in the bottom, just oaring it away. And Paul said, that's what a minister is. A lot of these guys that stand here, we're actually getting our reward right now. We try to make gods out of these dudes up here, and there's a problem with that to begin with. But I can tell you God's more impressed with the guy that nobody notices, nobody looks at. He's just doing his job, oaring that ship along. Then we're going to look at this guy, this superior Christian. Look at this. We're almost done. Hang with me. He says, therefore, my beloved brother, be steadfast, settled, unmovable, anchored, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Not sometimes. Not a flash in the pan, but always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now let's watch here. Remember, I just showed you what the work of the Lord is. John chapter 4, uh, 33, 34, and John 17, 4, right? Now, 
as we go on, I want you to notice the one another's. We're talking about you and why you're involved in this local church. And why it's more important that you get here and get involved than just sit down and relax. Watch. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you this and I'm closing. Watch. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing. The word admonish here means to lightly warn or to, to uh, warn is how it's translated in other places in your Bible. But it's, it's this poking and going, hey, hey, don't forget, don't forget, your old man, your flesh, he'll, he'll get to working on you, and what you need is somebody alongside you to go, hey, 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 knock that off, and he says, the job of the Christian, now he's not talking about pastors here, he's talking about all of us, and he says, listen, I want you to come in here with the word of God in you, teaching and admonishing one another. So you say, well, I'm not, you know, I don't have to be there this Sunday. I'm not teaching. Are you admonishing? Are you getting here warning people? Are you telling people about uh, their life? Encouraging them to live out the life that Christ had for them? He goes on, now, notice this, 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, comfort yourselves together and edify, look at the word, one another. Once again, he's implying it's not from the pulpit out. He's implying it's from pew to pew. It almost sounds like I'm shooting a gun. Pew, 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 right? Now, bottom line is, he says, comfort yourselves together. So you know another thing that we're supposed to be involved in the local church? So you walk in here today. Are you comforting people? Are you encouraging people? It's interesting, Rodney got shot, he comes to church, and we're all like, oh, you okay, you know, you good, and, and rightfully so, because he physically got shot, but I wonder how many people got shot spiritually this week, and are we going to be there to go, hey man, I'm here for you, you feeling all right, how's things going, you healing up? The same stuff that we were saying to him because of a physical event is the same stuff we're supposed to be doing because of spiritual events all week long. Satan wants to destroy every single believer in here. And it's a little tough at times. And at times you think, dude, I, I'm on my own here. Or my family's going through it here and nobody cares. And once again, that point of comforting can't come from one individual how is he going to get up here and break down scripture if we're expecting him to comfort everybody and edify and build up no it was supposed to be from this guy to that guy to that person to this person so the involvement in the local church is more than you just coming in here going check did my duty i'm out I don't know what his problem is. I show up. Oh, thank God. Are you actually going to comfort? Watch this. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Now, remember, we, we, we brought this up earlier on church attendance, and hang with me. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Get settled. He says, and let us consider, there it is again, one another. 
Well, you just don't understand what kind of week I'm having. Would you just stop a second and consider somebody else for the moment? Maybe they're having a rough week too. Well, you just don't know what I'm going through. I, I got it. But if you could just maybe get your eyes off yourself for a second and focus on ministry to other people, like Job, maybe God turns the events in your life. But he goes on, he says, let us consider one another, and here's the word, to provoke, to rub against, to poke, to, to, to love, and to do good works. Iron sharpeneth iron. Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking an assembly of ourselves together. Now notice now that it's in context why he's telling you not to skip church. Because you have a duty, one to another. And he goes on, he says, exhorting one another. The purpose of showing up to this building is not to get what you can get out of it. The purpose is what can you put into it? And what can I do to help the guy in the pew next to me? And maybe if I focus on that dude for a while, God will show up in my life where I can't get control. I'm, I'm literally almost done. Hang on. Watch this. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. It's the same job, by the way. Same verse. He says, this is why you have pastors in your church. For the perfecting of the saints, that would be you. For the work of the ministry. Hold up. Did you just hear that? Oh, the work of the ministry. You're talking about these people who, you know, like Justin, who's, who feels a calling to, to be full-time in the ministry. No, no, no. That's not what that verse said. His job is to pastor and to teach you and me so that we can work the ministry. And he says, for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. How long is Justin supposed to do that? Till we all come in unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of Man unto a perfect man. What does that look like? He tells you. The measurement? Christ. So his job is to stand here and pump this book into your and I's life until we all come in unity of the faith, go work the ministry, and that we all end up looking like Jesus. Good luck with that in the invisible church you think you attend. God has so chosen, and he could have done it any way he wanted to, but he has so chosen to grab a man and a book and to Pump it into people's lives so they can go out from a local level. It goes on in the same chapter, and I'm closing right here. It's my last verse. I'm not lying. <laughs> Notice here. Why do you want to do that, God? Why do you want to have pastors teaching us and, and, and until we come into the unity of the faith and so that we could go work the ministry and so we look like Jesus? Why do you want that, God? Here's why. That we... Henceforth, be no more children or suckling babes, tossed to and fro, not settled, and carried about with every wind of doctrine. We're about to start a series on Calvinism on Wednesday night, and I'm dreading it. I really am. I, I, I get sick of talking about Calvinism. You say, well, then why are you doing it? 
that verse. Because I don't want all those quote-unquote cool pastors that are out there taking my flock and the sheep of this place and tossing them about with that garbage wind of doctrine. And so I'm going to establish what I can through this book so that you can make sure you can identify that's wrong. That ain't right. The scripture says that ain't right. But notice what he says. He says, by the sleight of hand and the cunning crafts whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking truth in love. And I may be more boisterous than others, but I can guarantee you what I say to you is in the is in motivation of love because I care about you and I want you to get the truth. And, and, and he goes on, he says, he says, listen, that they may grow unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, for whom the whole body is fitly joined together and compacted. Now, how are you going to be a part of a compacted body out there floating around, unattached, or unhitched, since that seems to be the popular word, unhitched from the local church. This is where you find safety. This is where you're going to find food and shelter. This is going to be the place that God is going to so choose to edify you and bring you into strength so that you can face that garbage that's out there. Now, as they come get a song, I guess that's when they tell me I'm done, my clicker stops working. As they come get a song, I've got to ask yourself, let me rephrase that, I've got to ask you to ask yourself, are you involved here? I, you're here, obviously, your attendance is here, but I'm not asking you if you're attending church here. I'm not asking you if you're a member here. I'm asking you, are you involved in the local church? Are you devoted to the local church? And if not, why not? Let's stand to our feet. Father, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done. And you died for us and you provided for us a local church so that we could join together corporately with a body of believers and that we could come together as a family and strengthen one another. And so God, I ask and pray that each one of us would self-examine and find out where we're at today and whether we're actually involved in the work of the Lord, always abounding in that. Father, help us to just do business with you today. In Jesus' holy name I pray, amen.